everybody, it's Simone, and you're tuned into The Journey Podcast. This podcast is for women from all walks of life to come together and share their stories through their eyes. So thanks for taking the journey with us. Good morning, evening, night. I don't know what time you're listening to this, but thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Journey. Today I have someone who is like none other. I can't wait for you guys to hear her story, her journey. Uh, the lovely Miss Summer Jordan. So hello, Summer. Hello, everybody. How are you feeling today? Uh, this is a little bit of a struggle, but you know, I'm glad to be here. That's good. So I just want you to start off and tell the listeners who are you. So who are we hearing from today? So my name is Summer Jordan. Um, I am 24 years old. Um, I'm a college graduate from Eastern University, and I'm the former Miss Black America of Pennsylvania for 2017. I'm a violinist, rapper, singer, writer, you know, mentor. I do it all. Awesome. So you you talked about a lot of different things, but kind of go more in depth about your journey to getting to those those different areas that you talked about. So a lot of people don't know, um, but when I was 17, I experienced youth homelessness. Um, I was uh, at Kappa High School. I was a transfer there my sophomore year, but by the end of my junior year, I was homeless um, as a result of an abusive and terminally ill mother. Um, this month actually marks her um, death anniversary on Father's Day. Um, she passed three years ago from metastatic breast cancer, so thankfully we ended on great terms, but at that time, that was just a tumultuous time in my life, um, but it's a time that God really used to reveal to me and, um, you know, show me the things that he had in store for me. Um, and the journey's just been crazy ever since. So I actually uh, went to high school with you. And um, how did you go through that process and not letting so many know what you were going through daily? Um, I thought, I, like, I think I let a few people know, but a lot of people don't really care to know. I mean, mm -hmm. when you're in high school, you're kind of like in your own world, in your own, you know, teenage drama and, you know, the whole puberty issues so mm -hmm. you know you're not really conscious about what's going on around you and other people's lives but you know um I, I was around the right people at the right time God sent the people I needed in, in that season mm -hmm. um especially those who just believed in my music and that's what really kept me going just music and church um and just you know staying grounded in that um but I think I I just had advocates that was a time where God just put advocates in my life and um, they begin to see, like, you know, she's not as bad as she looks on paper. And she really is serious about this thing mm -hmm. um, that she has with music. So I actually had a social worker at one of the group homes I stayed at um, called Baptist Children's. And, you know, she was like, you know, how serious are you about music? And I'm going out street performing every day after mm -hmm. school. That's how I made ends meet, you know. And I was like, I'm serious about, you know, going all the way. And I don't know if you remember Julian King, but we mm -hmm. actually competed at um, Charlie Mack's Party for Peace. Mm. And they didn't have a prize for my category. I was the only instrumentalist. So I ended up opening for Lil Mama um, and being in that, that environment, you know, having lunch with all the celebrities that were panned mm -hmm. up. So that just kind of opened up my mind and allowed me to really dream again about doing music full time. Awesome. So go. let's go rewind a little bit. So how did you get into music? How did you get into your whole art, your whole craft? Well, at two years old, um, my mom says that I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, instead of medicating, she wanted to just get me involved in a bunch of stuff because they called me the golden child when I was younger. So mm -hmm. everything I touched turned to gold. So um, they were like, you know, well, we're going to get her into some music stuff, some art stuff. So I've done everything from 
you know, cartoon and illustration with watercolor, ceramics, pottery, to I started on African percussion in second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I transferred schools and just, you know, got introduced to a bunch of different forms of art. And that's basically what kept me um, instead of having to be medicated. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your biggest motivation for your music? Um, I think just the fact, like, I, I basically just write about things that I go through. So I think, like, just surviving the different chapters of my of my life um, and the different journeys of my life with a sound mind, like, that always, mm-hmm. like, fascinates me. Like, yo, my mind is still intact after everything I've gone through, after everything I've seen, after everything I've experienced. And that's just, like, wow, like, like that just baffles mm-hmm. me sometimes because some people didn't didn't make it. Absolutely. So, um, so you are we are young, um, and mm-hmm. for some people, it's kind of weird to like have such a relationship with God or be so mm-hmm. strong with Him. So, tell me more about that journey of you know your your faith and your belief through everything you've gone through. Um, well, I actually wasn't raised in church. I was raised around church, and we were Catholic. My mm-hmm. grandmother taught at a Catholic school. She, she taught at St. Benedict's um, Catholic School for over 30 years for, for kindergarten. Um, and, you know, I ended up having to be taught by her um, by default because I was really bad when I was younger. <laughs> so I, kept, I think I kept getting kicked out of daycares or whatever. We were in transition, and I ended up being one of her students um, before I was even old enough to start school. So I think it all just started from my grandmother just kind of introducing me to prayer and, like, at least a form of worship Mm -hmm. and things like that. So just being around that. Um, But we really were not a church-going family. We went, like, every once in a blue moon most of the time with my grandmother when we went to spend the night. Um, But then over time, like, I just had this hunger and this thirst because it was like things were going crazy at Mm -hmm. home. Like, my mom was sick. She got diagnosed in um, 06 with stage 1 metastatic breast cancer. My family and I just came back from a trip to Egypt for a Mm -hmm. week. So it was just like, it was a turn of events. And I think in our mind, in our family mind, like, it was just go to the way that grandma taught us, which Mm -hmm. is prayer. So um, ever since then, God just began to deal with me. And as my mom's illness progressed, so did her her abuse Mm -hmm. towards me. So um, I think church, music, and school were just like a means of escape for me. I never played about my education. I never played about my music, never played about school. Um, And that's just, that's how it went from there. And as God began to reveal to me, I started to see like, you know, the bad things, but I also started to see like, he set me apart for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that really stuck out to me was, you know, my story is similar to Joseph's, but, you know, I think people think, you know, come ye from a money and be separate means forever, Mm -hmm. but eventually you have to go back. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I went back at just the right time to, you know, really see God's hand in my, in my family and still am seeing it. So it's just, it's a process, but it's worth it. So if you feel comfortable, can you talk a little bit more about the going back? Because so many people, mm-hmm. we miss that opportunity of going back because we're harboring so much pain and mm-hmm. hurt and bitterness and all that. So how are you, how is it for you to be able to go back and to, to deal with what you went through? So basically, God just got my attention. And I'm very hard-headed. I know, like, my personality, my character, I'm a runner. So, like, when things get crazy, I just... 
I just take off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God has a way of, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. Like, he know exactly where you are mm-hmm. at all times. So it's like, even when you running from him, you running to him. So it's like, it'll be times where I'll be like, I'm not going back home. And God be like, go back home. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back home. She ain't changed. She going to put her hands on me as soon as I go back. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. But I had no idea God was working on her at the extent that he was while wow. I was away. Mm-hmm. So she had been praying that she was surrounded by all of her children. She had four kids when she passed in the ages of eight to 26. I'm the youngest daughter, but the second oldest. Mm-hmm. So um, when it was time to go back, I was like, what? And it was like, I kept trying to do stuff. I ended up uh, trying to like stay on campus. I was at Eastern at the time, so I tried to stay on campus. And I tried to... Um, you know, work full time, but mm-hmm. I got tired of that routine. I was like, I need a break. My body is yeah. tired. My mind is tired. My soul is tired. And I was like, God, I want a break, but it didn't come the way I wanted it. It came because God was like, all right, it's time for you to take a break, but you're going to go home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mm-mm. Right, right. <laughs> so it was like, the more I ran, the more he kept showing up. I even went back to the shelter I was at on 50th and Hazel, and I tried to um, minister to the girls about my journey, but God shut it down. He didn't want me to minister to anybody from a half testimony because wow. he was like, let me rewrite your story. That's not the story I want you to have. And I didn't know the new director that was there was a counselor. And she, you know, she went to church, but she wasn't like churchy, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't all into that. And so she just began to minister to me heavily in her office. And I'm like, ma'am, I did not come here for this. I came here to talk to the girls, teach them how to crochet and bounce. Like, I'm not with it. And everything she said to me at that meeting was confirmed at church. And the sermon title was Make a Move. That was Sunday. And God had already been showing me that he was preparing me for my mom to transition, but I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. But I was still visiting her in the hospital. I was still, like, showing up. But I just, it was something about going home that he really was emphasizing. Mm -hmm. And my mom kept saying, I can give you a key today. I can do this. I can do that. And I just was like, I've been on my own for so long. I I got it. I got it. Mm -hmm. You know, but I always tell people it's a dangerous space to get to when you say or you think you can take care of yourself better than God got you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that time, I was like, well, let me just, let me just go home. I got to give in. He keep you know shutting stuff down obviously you want me to go home for a reason I didn't know I went home the next day that Monday I had a gig at chart house played the gig my sister came and picked me up with her ex-fiance they took me back to my mom's house lo and behold my mom comes home on hospice that night I didn't even know because when we were at the hospital you know she told me the doctors gave her a diagnosis of less than a year Mm -hmm. but she kind of lied to me to protect my feelings and it actually ended up being a diagnosis of days So we had 12 days together, and that was it. But God restored all of it in those 12 days. And now I own that house with no mortgage. So so that's the story I want to go into next. So so talk about, like, how you, some plans that you were talking about using that house for, and how, you know, Mm -hmm. the house at one point was so much pain and that you Mm -hmm. wanted nothing to do with is now a space that you're planning to do some amazing things with. Mm -hmm. So the house was basically, it was hard when I first went back. Like, I'm still in grief counseling for everything because, you know, I was grieving before I started grieving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I don't know with people that have, you know, troubled childhoods, you, there, there's a sense of grief before the parent is absent. Um, but, I mean, I don't even know. I think I just, like, in my head, I was like, I really, you know, I want to do something with this house, but I never vocalized it to my family. Mm-hmm. I never vocalized, I want this to be a shelter. I just knew that's something I had a desire for, and God honored it. So when I went back home... Um, I say, you know what, since me and my mom ended on good terms, God, this is going to be an altar I'm building for you. This is something that I want you to have. So I named it after my mom. It was going to be called Joy House Academy. My mom's first name is Sarita, but if you were really close to her, you called her Joy or Joybug. So that's mm-hmm. how I knew who her real friends were. 
um, but it was going to be called, you know, Joy House Academy, and I was going to be um, housing and mentoring homeless teens um, and showing them how to make sustainable wages through faith, art, and entrepreneurship, because those are three things that got me through my, my experience with mm -hmm. youth homelessness. Um, and there's still a room like to this day that she designed called the pink room. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an Airbnb host now. So, I mean, people stay in the, the pink room and it's like a jersey signed by Michael Vick, pink jersey. Mm -hmm. There's a banner of like people who just like encouraged my mom yeah. through her cancer um, fight. And um, yeah, that's just something I really wanted to do. But right now I just mentor. Um, unfortunately, they threw my case out. There's a lot of not in my backyard mentality going on in the middle-aged black community. So, you know, that's a whole nother hurdle. <laughs> so talk about that process because a lot of times we we hear we only hear the good mm -hmm. of, of being an entrepreneur. We only hear the good of, you know, starting this thing. But, you know, it happens. We go through yes. hurdles and it's everything seems like it's in place and we just mm -hmm. wait for that final step and it just all stops. So talk yep. about that process and how has that been for you? So that was one of the most traumatic things I've been through. Not only did I lose, like, money, I just kind of, like, lost you know, motivation to even continue in that vision. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of shut down, but, you know, I went to school for business. People think I went to college for music. I went to school for entrepreneurship, a major God chose because I was not trying to touch that field. And um, when I was there, you know, it didn't really prepare me for what I was going to have to experience in real life. Yeah. Like, it gave me the foundation, gave me the fundamentals, but, like, the whole process for, like, filing for nonprofits and finding attorneys, like, for me, everything was, like, learning as I go. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was crazy because I had the pieces together, but it just wasn't time for everything to come together. And that's the thing. Sometimes we think God is saying no, but he's saying not right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that discourages us because our timeline is competing with the timeline of God. But God, in that time, even with my mom, was showing me about his perfect timing and how crucial that is so mm -hmm. you know as an entrepreneur we're very like fast right paced like get it done right now I just want to birth this vision and keep it going but even in natural labor it's a it takes time you cannot <laughs> push that baby out when you want to Listen. they come when they are ready I know it to be true so you know so that's basically what I went through with that experience but it was very traumatizing like I, I went through a small depression after it didn't work out and I was mad at God because I'm like my shelter got thrown out they threw my case out because I at this point I done missed too many deadlines attorneys are acting funny you know I tried to find a new attorney how about he lost his cell phone the day after I had a meeting with him to file my paperwork wow. so it was like all these things were lined up I had Wells Fargo Bank ready to fund me as a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I was getting TV time people interviewed me about my process mm -hmm. it was just crazy like I had people volunteer I had police on my board uh, a former police officer who was in the church a woman who was like interested in going into that field I had the director um, who ministered to me at the the shelter I used to live mm -hmm. at she was ready to be on board with me um, it just was a lot of pieces that were there, but it just wasn't time. Got it. So, you know, that's even discouraging because I'm like, you got my hopes up because I had all these people in mm -hmm. place and then now I don't have nothing to give to them. So it literally felt like I had a miscarriage mm. and it just did something to me. And I was upset because right after that, one of my mentees, she went AWOL. I was mentoring like seven foster seven foster girls mm -hmm. um, from my former job. I used to work at the Boys and Girls Club. Had no idea that many foster kids came through. Had like seven of them with permission of their foster parents. They would come and use my house as a safe space. I would have like glow-in-the-dark movie night for them. Um, some nights we would do karaoke. Mm -hmm. Like just to have a space for them. Like that was their house. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one night I had a performance. One of my mentees went AWOL. The foster mom called me. I'm like, I have no idea where she is. I can't even look for her right now because I'm at a performance. Yeah. I'm sorry. I come downstairs the next morning from the performance and the girl's on my couch. Wow. My roommate let her in. And she's like, Miss Summer, 
um, you told me if anything happens or if I'm ever in trouble to come here. So that, you know, even though it was like, oh, it also was like, God, no. Like, this, like you're dangling my vision in front of my face because these girls are coming to me, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a house for them. And, you know, something that God really encouraged me with somebody who's not even in the church. I saw, I I met with, um, I think his name is Lonzo or Leonzo from Global Village. Mm -hmm. We randomly met in an Uber one night. Um, I already knew who he was, but he was just saying, like, you know, you're the house. And I forgot, like, mm-hmm. you are literally the vehicle. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. The work that you are so, you know, ready to do in a building can be done through you. So that's another aspect of it. Yeah. You know, sometimes we go searching for habitations, but you're the habitants, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just a lot of layers to it. Listen, but. I, I completely understand. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that a lot of us miss as entrepreneurs, that we, we see all these other people who mm-hmm. have this and who have that. And it doesn't seem right if we don't have the actual place right. to say that it's there. But we often forget right. that if it's not for us, then what is it? Right. We are the ones that are bringing it to life. We are the visionaries. Right. We are the, the, like you said, we are the dream and, and, and form. So that's I feel like that's something that a lot of people need to hear. Right. And I hope that they get that from this that you are the vision mm-hmm. you are the place that it's going to dwell so as yep. long as you 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 doing what you have to do yep. somebody is going to be able to be touched and someone's life is going to be able to be changed so there's one last aspect of your life that we kind of didn't talk about so mm-hmm. let's talk about your your pageant life oh lord that's how how did you get into that tell me <laughs> that, about that for me i say it's by accident but we all know you know the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord you know nothing's by accident especially in my life so um, I, I basically, there was a contest that my aunt told me about, who's actually my mom's best friend, but um, we call her auntie. Mm-hmm. You know how black families yeah. do. So <laughs> she, my auntie Beverly was like, hey, Summer, there's a competition going on um, with the Dell Music Center and WDAS Radio. Um, you should audition. I was like, well, it's for singers. It's called Singing Under the Stars, but I'm going to play my violin. I have this 200-year-old violin that a woman named Adrian Red gave to me. I used to she perform in Suburban Station, and she gave me this violin that I've had for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, you know, she she's a Unitarian, so she's not really, you know, a, a Christian, but kind of, it's like a right. weird mix. Um, but she basically revealed to me, you know, her son asked her, Mom, why did you give the violin to Summer instead of her partner that night? And she was like, it's because I saw her light. So I always tell people, you know, let your lights so shine before men that they may see, may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. But with that violin, it's so special because it's like every time I play it somewhere, I get something. Mm. Whether somebody blesses me with a painting that happened twice already, mm-hmm. once at your event, yeah. another time when I minister at In the Light Ministries. Um, and it's just, it's a blessing. You know, it's just a favor of God. But when I played this instrument at this audition, um, I ended up winning the whole contest. Which blew my mind because yeah. I'm I'm expecting to come maybe in third because I kind of broke the rules like yeah. I know it's for singers, um, but no they were like you're the winner I won five hundred dollars I opened up for Sheila E at the Dell and they were like well you can either be a guest performer or you can be a contestant in the pageant but dealing with low self esteem for so many years I never saw myself as a pageant girl mm-hmm. you know especially you know how they compare you to yeah. siblings and like body types and all that I was like you know I'll just be a guest performer I don't mind just being a violinist mm-hmm. but one thing God's been telling me is you know you keep pushing everybody else I'm bringing your you mm-hmm. to the forefront and I'm like you know it's uncomfortable but you can't run from it so you know I ended up competing placed top three I won Miss Positivity which my pageant sisters voted me in that didn't mm-hmm. come from the judges um I placed second runner-up which is third place and I won talent again yeah. so it's like I, I won talent to get in and yeah. I won talent in it wow. <laughs> which is crazy yeah. so 
um, that's how I got in, and I've just been using the the title and you know the influence mm-hmm. to the best of my ability. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanna. There's two other things I want to do. So I o- the the guests that come on here, I always ask them that uh, what is it that you carry in your visible backpack? So we all have something that is helping mm-hmm. us through the journey. It might be a song, scripture, quote, uh, person. What is in your invisible backpack? Um, one song that really helped me in that time, like just everything summed up is um, Avery Sunshine's version of Safe in His Arms. Mm. That song just really speaks to me. Um, the first time I heard her minister, it was when she was ministering to Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, that song has been a saving grace for me. Um, so that's one thing that, that keeps me sane. And also, ironically, my school had this campaign called the Courage Campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, their their whole phenomenon is, you know, Eastern is faith, reason, and justice. Mm-hmm. So um, they did this Courage Campaign. I chose the name Courage to be Resilient. But later on, they changed it to Courage to Create because that was, you know, God wanted to change it. Yeah. So, um it, they made it into a billboard, and it's all over regional rail, mm-hmm. all in, you know, Suburban Station, all in, you know, SEPTA. Um, it was on I-95 North. And, um, you know, it's just this big billboard that says Courage to Create. And it's ironic that every time that billboard pops up, it's like God's way of encouraging me because I'm always, ironically, going through something mm-hmm. at the time somebody sends that picture to me. And yesterday, before the conference um, with Apostle Matthew Stevenson in New York that we all attended, it was wonderful, um, my dad who, you know, I didn't grow up with, but, you know, now we're mending our relationship, sent me that picture. And he was mm-hmm. like, daughter, I'm so proud of you, you know. And, like, I don't just hear that in the natural. Yeah. I hear that from my father, you know. So yeah. it's just like that is one thing that I keep with me mm-hmm. that pops up at the right time. So that song and that billboard are just two things I hold dear to me. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then my last question is, what are some empowering, empowering words that you could share with someone who – Clearly, we all know that our journeys are different and unique to us, but someone who might be having similar situations throughout. So what are some encouraging words that you can give them? Um, I have a song called Jehovah Shalom. And in the, in the song, I just say, I just talk about the peace of God. I literally just minister about the peace of God because people don't know, like, just back to, like, the homeless thing. I didn't know that the leading cause of adult homelessness it's mental illness, not drug addiction. Mm-hmm. It's only the result of the mental illness because they can't afford the right, you know, mm-hmm. medication and treatment that they need. So it's like I just talk about this, the peace that surpasses all understanding, like peace in my mind, peace in my soul, peace in my home. It's all found in him. Like even he ministered to us through the scripture and says like, you know, in this world we're going to have tribulation. Mm-hmm. But take heart because I overcome this world. And you, you're going to have peace right. in me. Like so I just love that. I always talk about the peace of God. That's just my encouragement. Like, if you need peace, he's the source. I love that song. So that's my favorite Mm -hmm. song. So maybe we can talk to Emac and try to get at the end (laughs) of it. Um, But I just want to say thank you, Summer, so much for Mm -hmm. coming and sharing your story, your journey. I never knew, you know, we went to high school together, Mm -hmm. but we we were in the same major, but we Mm -hmm. weren't in the same circle. But Mm -hmm. like you said, God has a, a... funny way of doing things mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm grateful that you came back in my life and I'm yes. grateful that I get to meet you and be just another vehicle for your yes. story your journey to be told yes. uh, so thank, thank you. you 
everyone again for listening. Um, do you want to give your social media handles before we end? Yes, um, I have four pages, but I'm only going to give y'all two um, <laughs> that I really use. You can follow my music page, which is SJ underscore sounds, S-O-U-N-D-S. Or you can follow my pageant page slash entrepreneurship page, which is E-N-T-R underscore SJ. So thank you everyone once again for listening to another episode of The Journey. Life won't be easy, but it's one worth taking. So take, thank you for taking the journey with me. In this world of tribulation, in a world of tribulation.